Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, friends, have you noticed that no matter how much yoga we do, we still may struggle in our intimate relationships? Yoga can and does help, but at a certain point, you need more relational practices and support from trusted allies. My husband and I have a wonderful marriage, but we're not necessarily the best relationship teachers. In episode 315, I brought on the founders of the Relationship School, Jason and Ellen. They live and breathe all things relational, boundaries, conflict, owning your needs, attachment styles, and so much more. If you want to learn how to work through conflict better and communicate better, Jason is offering 50% off his Indestructible Partnerships course. Thousands of people have changed their relationships for the better with this course. Go to relationshipschool slash Laura and use the coupon code Laura to get 50% off this life-changing course. Now back to the podcast. Good movement and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a lit yoga podcast, which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through smarter and safer movement patterns so together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings. Welcome to Monday Motivation. Today's motivation is walk this way. If you remember the Aerosmith song, that's what we're going to be talking about. Walk this way. So why would I even talk about walking? This is something we have done automatically for so many years. We came out of our mother's womb and went through the developmental stages, crawling, half kneeling, scooching around. And then we get up onto our two feet and we begin to walk. And that hardware of our brain of understanding how to walk has been there. And walking is so automatic. But walking is a huge indicator for how we move in other ways. And when I look at clients, physical therapist clients, yoga clients, I want to look at their posture. I want to look at them walk because that's going to tell me a lot about their movement strategies. And a lot of my approach is based on my studies with Shirley Sarman, who is a brilliant, brilliant famed physical therapist. She has been around for decades and her research and clinical studies really have held true through the decades of time. And Shirley stated that 
During most daily activities, the primary role of the abdominal muscles is to provide isometric support and limit the degree of rotation of the trunk. A large percentage of low back problems occur because the abdominal muscles are not maintaining tight control over the rotation between the pelvis and the spine at the L5-S1 area. So L5 is your fifth lumbar vertebra, and S1 is the top end of the sacrum. The sacrum are fused vertebra, so S1 would be the first one of those. So just you can find your sacrum. The sacrum is above your tailbone. And then if you continue above the sacrum, you're at the lumbar spine. Well, there is a hinge point there at L5-S1 where we get a lot of substitute compensatory movement. And if we see it in walking, that is a sign that we're probably doing it in other movement patterns. And she also talks about that just knowing by looking at the areas of the body, um, such as the muscles that keep us from like falling over side to side, the QL and the gluteus medius, when we walk, they are really designed to resist motion. They're designed to resist a lot of that lateral motion and certainly any rotation. So Shirley goes on to say that if you can detect any lumbopelvic rotation with gait, so think of like a person, a model on the catwalk, how they sashay around. So that is way too much lumbopelvic rotation. Um, If you can see it, if I can see someone walking like that with my vision, it's already too much because the pelvis should only rotate about four degrees, which is so small around the central axis. So therefore, if I can see it, it's already moving too much. Now, Shirley um, and I have followed this, is really big into patterning. So that's really how you move in one way. So say like in walking, you're going to take that and move in other movements. A pattern for limited hip mobility is lumbopelvic compensation. So imagine this, if you're sitting at a chair, a desk for long periods of time, and you get up, you've been in a flexed hip position. Your low back may have been extended too much or flexed too much, but definitely your hips are flexed, right? And then you rise to stand. And what do you feel like? You often feel like you can't quite get upright. That uprightness is your your hips feeling restricted and not being able to come into full or into just neutral position or in some extension. So then we go to walk. We've got to get up at our desk and walk you know, around our office or around our kitchen or whatever we're doing. And we will compensate for that lack of hip mobility by moving in this lumbopelvic area, um, that lower lumbar spine into the sacrum. And you can move there in a rotation way to get your legs moving forward if your hips are not mobile enough. So when you're walking, if I step my left foot forward, and then I start to move my hips over my ankle so I can weight bear on my left foot and swing my right leg, the action of getting my hip over the ankle for that one-legged stance is my hip. My hip should be doing that. So if my hip can't extend because my hip mobility is limited, I'm going to figure out a different way. 
Maybe I'll swagger a little bit side to side to move myself forward, or I'll rotate the pelvis. I'll rotate the left side of the pelvis forward because I can't get the left hip extended well. And that becomes a compensation that your body starts to recognize. So you'll walk and you're just kind of moving in the pelvis side to side, that rotation. And that is not move, that's not a movement pattern that is optimal. It is a compensation. And if you just know this isolated lumbar rotation, so if I just were to move in the lumbar spine and nowhere else, is so minimal. It's so minimal. So that working the pelvis to compensate for the hips, it's not a good strategy anyway. So it's a strategy we do, but it's not a good one. So how do we work on this? Well, we first start with their neutral posture. This is what I talk about all the time until I'm blue in the face, and I can't say it enough because neutral posture is your starting position. It's where your pelvis is neutral, your hips are ready for action, your spine is neutral, so that you can then make the choice when you're walking that you're stepping forward with, say, the left foot and moving the left hip over the left ankle to then swing the right foot. And If we don't start in neutral, we're limiting our choices and we are creating compensatory patterning to happen. Because force vectors require a proper tension generated by our starting point of muscular length. Meaning at neutral, we are um, having a balanced amount of tension around the hip joint, around the spine to generate good movement. So neutral is putting us in a position to optimize performance. So if you don't really care about optimizing and having more efficiency, better force production with healthy tissues, then this is going to be um, a tough lesson to learn in the future because it will come back to you know, haunt you. So sashaying like on the catwalk is just not going to benefit us. So we are bipedal and walk a lot Hopefully, we should be walking a lot. We're made to do that. So let's work the neutral pelvis and stabilize that lumbopelvic region. And by bringing active awareness into these this habitual movements, that will carry over into our other movements. So let's think about walking this way. And I've created an acronym to help you think about it as you're walking. So what do you think about? Walk. W, waist back. So the waist, we want to pull that back. So we're holding tone in our abdominals. That is going to help stabilize your pelvis and your spine. If you walk and you're just not having that awareness of the waist pulling back, then you're more likely to have that compensatory movement, rotating in the low back, swaggering in the pelvis. Um, that's going to be more likely to happen if you don't have some tone in the abdominals. I'm not talking about you know, sucking your belly in. I'm talking about pulling your waist back to create an awareness and a stabilizing force for that pelvis to stay neutral. So that's W. A, you want to add some good activation in the low back. So add some activation. What does that mean? Well, I know sometimes when I'm on the yoga mat and I have been 
less mobile and my hips might be feeling it or whatever, I actually, instead of thinking about making a movement bigger, I think about holding some activation right at that lumbopelvic area. So for instance, if I'm moving in a low lunge or something, and I'm holding that low lunge, I think about the waist back, but I also think about right through the body where the waist would be at the top, you know, where we have our waist band, right through there. If I follow it back, that is the lumbopelvic area that I want to hold strong. So by holding a little tension there, active muscular activation, I'm restricting it. I'm trying to restrict it, and usually I'm successful. And you will be too if you just bring that awareness and give a little bit of that tautness there um, so that you're not going to arch there. You're not going to overly extend. You're not going to rotate. You're not going to do a lot of lateral flexion there, side to side. You're just going to have added activation right in that low back. So you have the waist back. You have the feeling of the low back having some support through that activation. And then L would be lengthen the whole spine. So when we lengthen the spine and kind of lift it out of the bowl of the pelvis, we're also giving space into the low back and we're going to give space into the hips to move better. Instead of if we kind of crowd, if we, you know, collapse down, like think about if you're sitting in a chair really flexed, then you aren't giving space in your low back. You aren't giving space into your whole back. And what does that do? It actually restricts your hips. So L is really lengthen the spine, lift it out of the bowl of the pelvis. And then K is keep your neck over your pelvis or keep your skull over your pelvis. Now, this is tricky sometimes when we're walking, we put our head down, so we want to look at the ground. But watch what that does to the rest of the spine all the way down into that lumbopelvic area into your hips. So if we look down all the time and lower the head, almost like we're looking at a phone, that's going to round our shoulders forward and it has an effect down the back, down the spine, down into the pelvis. So try and keep your head over your pelvis. So you're walking like on the catwalk without the sachet, you know, really upright. And think about as you're moving, move from your hips. The hips, the action of walking has a natural kind of pendulum swing. And the more we restrain the low back, the pendulum swing is freer. So if we do a lot of this kind of compensatory lumbo-pelvic rotation, we actually lose a lot of energy. And like Shirley was mentioning, like the primary role of the abdominals is to provide isometric support. That isometric support is what I was talking about. When you pull back in the waist and you have some activation in the low back, that's called isometric support. There's no movement. It's just a hold. That limits that degree of rotation in the trunk. Now, what's beautiful about thinking about this and of walking this way is, it is a, it's like a walking meditation. And it's a practice of bringing awareness and mental focus into a very ordinary, habitual activity like walking. So my challenge for you today, my motivation for you today is to go out for a walk. Start with like a 10-minute walk and focus. Focus on these elements. Waist back, strong low back with some 
good activation there, supporting especially around the sacrum and that lumbar spine, lengthening your spine and holding your head, your skull right over your pelvis. It might feel rigid at first. You might feel like you're kind of one of the queen's guards outside of Buckingham Palace. But let me tell you, this will bring better movement to you in other ways in your life. It'll bring better brain mapping into your standing posture. So how we walk really has a huge impact on how we're going to live, how we're going to move, and then how we're going to feel. Because who wants to have low back pain? I mean, if you look at the statistics, it's staggering. A majority of the people in life will experience some kind of back pain by the time they're 60. And a lot of it is is really preventable if we just bring attention into the habits that we're having in late daily life. And walking is a great one. So walk this way, walk with a lot of, you know, pride and upright posture and see if it makes a difference for you. See if you have more energy. And if you already have some low back stuff, some knee stuff, some neck stuff, this will help. You have to stabilize the center axis of the spine, stabilize the pelvis and let the hips do their work of swinging those legs forward and then stabilizing as you step one leg forward and then the other. So walk this way. And as always, I'm pulling for you. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.